Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. It's Tony on tap, and I'm here tonight with the infamous NWI Steve. Steve, we have baseball back. It is a great Friday night. We're cracking them. These yinglings were brought to my casa by you, and they're delicious. Steve, thank you for that. How you doing tonight, my friend? Hey, yo, Anthony. I'm doing really well. I've got to ask. I've got to lead off with one very pivotal question. Sure. Are we, in fact, back? I think we're back. I, 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 I do think we're back. Now that I think about it, I can confirm it. We are back. We sources, are so Sources have confirmed that we are back. back. We are Hashtag back. Hashtag confirmed. So I, I, that leads me to my first question for you, like right off the bat. Were you worried about this? Did, did, did it start to get scary for you? It did start to get scary for me, and I'm going to be honest with you right now, Anthony. I'm supposed to be in Phoenix, Arizona right now. Okay. I had to cancel my flight. Literally, I would have been touching down in Phoenix right now. And uh, I'm not thrilled about it, if I'm being completely honest with you. But I that's would, okay. I would, I would be upset. It's, I would be a little upset. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. okay. You know, we, we got through it. Just a little bit of a delay here. We're going to get baseball. We're going to get 162. The march to a fucking Central Division title and a World Series starts April 7th. Let's fucking go. We're back. It's a little late. It's a little late, especially for your trip. It's a couple couple of days after we were supposed to have baseball. But I am very happy. I'm very happy that this is solved. I'm very happy that we're going to get to see this White Sox team play baseball this year. I was scared. I was a little scared. I won't lie. I did not think that we were going to see baseball in April. I questioned whether we were going to see baseball in May. And I hoped that we were going to see baseball by June. The fact that they got this done and saved as much as they did, it's just a little delayed. We're we're golden, man. I'm happy. We've got this ahead of us now. And I'm excited, Steve. I'm just really fucking excited for this team. And there's so much to talk about in terms of what this White Sox team is going to do this year. But before we get into that, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, as our guy Buzz would say. And, you know, be sure you're going over to our YouTube page. Subscribe over there so you can hop in on the comments on these live shows. Check out Bears on Tap, Four Feathers podcast. If you're a Cubs, I don't know why you would be Cubs fan, Go check out Cubs on Tap. They do a good job over there. Um, be sure you're checking out our guy Buzz over at Bulls on Tap. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube, like I said. Steve, getting into some White Sox-centric topics for the first time in what feels like forever, because we actually have news to talk about. Uh, let's let's start it off with the first one today. 
Carlos Rodon signs with the San Francisco Giants. What are your thoughts here, man? My thoughts are, you know, Rick Hahn had 99 days to take a nap, and he's apparently still asleep at the wheel. I don't know what he's doing. I was perusing Twitter.com earlier today, and it's almost like White Sox Twitter never really left because picked up right where they left off. Um, you know, two transactions have been done across the entire league to this point uh, today. Uh, Drew Verhagen was signed by the St. Louis Cardinals, and Carlos Rodon goes to the Giants. And White Sox Twitter did not disappoint. They are immediately up in arms about it. Um, granted, I I think the decision to not give Carlos Rodon the qualifying offer was a very flawed decision um, from the standpoint. Really, there's, there's two standpoints with this. They have a volume issue that they're going to have to address in the starting rotation. We've talked about this a number of times that the transition of Michael Kopech to the starting rotation is going to lead to some problems very similar to what we saw with Carlos Rodon during the 2021 season in that there is going to be a buildup associated with him. They are going to have to save some bullets throughout the course of the season here, and he's going to be on a managed workload. I think realistically 130 innings is really the max you're going to get out of Michael Kopech in the 2022 season here. That leaves a lot of volume that you have to fill up. Now, obviously, you've got a guy like Ronaldo Lopez who can step in. Um, there's talk about Garrett Crochet kind of transitioning and being in a similar role to Kopech last year in a multi-inning facet um, type position out of the bullpen. But I think the idea of not bringing back Carlos Rodon fill, leaves a little bit of a void that is going to need to be filled. How they're going to go about doing that remains to be seen. I think it would behoove them to look in the starting pitching market, whether through free agency or through the trade market, to just be able to have, again, the volume covered for one. And if you could get a quality top of the rotation arm, I'm not sure how you go about doing that, um, given kind of the shallowness of the farm system currently here. They would be in a much better position. So I think Rodon's absence, you know, it's going to hurt right now. We'll see what they do to address it ultimately and how they fill that volume. But I think it would have made a lot of sense to bring him back personally. I do as well, Steve. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to crack him right here. Crack him. We've got uh, Mike South Sockside Mike. He's in here. Crack him. Uh, Jordan Miller. Uh, we'll get to uh, your comment there in just a second. But, Steve, it was it was surprising to me to see Carlos Rodon go. Now, not giving him the, the qualifying offer, okay, you, you're going to let him go test free agency. It was kind of a bold move, but I, I really thought that there was something there that they were going to work out, even though, you know, Scott Boris be Scott Boris. But I thought that there's the, – I just thought he was coming back, I guess, and it's it's kind of disappointing to see him go. I've already seen the jersey swaps of him in a San Francisco Giants uniform, and it just doesn't look right. And I didn't think I would feel that way. It's a little bit perplexing with Carlos Rodon just – given the fact that this was the guy that was a number three overall pick in the draft and someone that you had such high expectations for. And um, you finally started to see them pan out last year. Yeah, you, you did. Ultimately, you know, he throughout the tenure of his time at the corner of 35th and Shields, he didn't live up to that draft pedigree of being the number three overall pick. We saw some glimpses of it at times. Obviously last year was the best overall performance we saw from him in a White Sox uniform. The arm issues and, and just the dead arm periods that he went through in the second half of the season ultimately 
hindered his progress going forward. Do you I think, think that? Do you think that that's why he's not back here, Steve? It's hard to say, honestly. Because I'll start poking holes around this a little bit. Let's talk about the contract. Mm-hmm. Did would you would you be comfortable giving him that money as a White Sox fan, knowing what you know about his injury history? I'm always happy to spend uh, money out of the Reinsdorf Family Trust. You know that as well as anybody. Um, I just think you know that's kind of the cost of playing poker right now, and I think that the the contract that he got the two years of $44 million from the Giants makes the decision to not extend that $18.1 million qualifying offer that much more perplexing if we're going to be totally honest with ourselves here. And they ultimately didn't put themselves in a position to get some additional draft pick compensation uh, with Rodon leaving. So it kind of just leaves you scratching your head a little bit as to why this, what, what the overall thought process was behind this decision here. Again, it's see, I'm reading this from Jordan and Rick cut Kaplan off on the phone multiple times on the radio to stress Rodon's possible return before the lockout. Thanks for the comment, Jordan. That to me sounds like something like they didn't get a deal done or they didn't come with enough money. You you have to think that the shoe sides were talking prior to the lockout and then something went awry during or right after within the last you know, 24 hours after, after the deal got done. His name is Scott Boris. Yeah. But that's, that to me says a deal didn't get done here for some reason. I don't know. And then you hear today that they're comfortable with the guys they have. It's the same story uh, as you hear. I I think, I I think that is a lot of lawyers speak from Rick Hahn. Obviously we all know that, um, you know, he's got his three degrees been talked about ad nauseum here. Anytime he has any public comments in the media, he says a lot of words without really saying anything at all. That's just kind of what it is at this point. We've been going through this song and dance for almost a decade now. So I wouldn't expect him to give any comments of substance, his first availability here post work stoppage. So I don't, I'm not personally reading a whole lot into that. I think Rick Hahn's press conferences are electric. I mean, I'm not sure that word means what you think it means then, Anthony. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make you laugh, Steve. Um, but I, I just, I really, I really hoped he was coming back because I do think like you said, they're going to need to fill some innings here. Is Dallas Keuchel going to hold up for you? Uh... Is Michael Kopech going to, do what you need Michael Kopech to do. Will Lance Lynn be the same Lance Lynn that you had last year? What version of Lucas Giolito are you going to get? Does Dylan Cease take a huge step forward? Those are the questions. I think those are definitely pivotal questions, but I think at the same time, they're obviously going to be active, I think particularly in the trade market. I think there's been some recent smoke in the last week or two surrounding some of the starting pitchers with the Oakland A's, whether it's Sean Manaya or possibly reuniting with Chris Bassett, who made his major league debut with the Sox um, close to a decade ago at this point here. And, you know, Bassett has really turned himself into a solid major league starting pitcher. So, you know, if you could get one of those two guys and, and maybe get Tony Kemp included to provide you some versatility across the diamond, um, 
maybe seeing a, a bulk of his playing time coming at the second base position, which is another area of need. That certainly would be interesting, and I think would definitely put this team in a better position. Now, obviously, Chris Bassett or Sean Manaya, they're not top of the rotation type arms that you get into a playoff series. You know, you're not going to throw either one of those guys in the game one spot, but volume and covering 162 games, I mean, that is something that is of paramount importance. And just given some of the challenges, like we talked about with Michael Kopech, with the inconsistency of Dallas Keiko last year, um, they're going to need to address that. And I think one of those two guys from Oakland certainly would help. And who knows? I mean, there could also be maybe a team like Cincinnati now that is realizing that they took a chance, you know, the last couple of years, they fell short a number of times. They've got some interesting starting pitchers, whether it's, you know, Sonny Gray, um, you know, Luis Castillo. I mean, I think that's the ultimate pipe dream right there. Um, so there, there's options out there, I think, particularly in the trade market. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do from that standpoint. Yeah, we'll see what they do. I, I don't I don't really think – I would kind of be surprised if they were to go after a starting pitcher here. I, I just would. I think that there are other needs across the diamond. Um, you mentioned the second base position. I think that's the biggest, biggest need right now. And beyond that, I think they need to bring in somebody at backup catcher if they possibly can. Um, and I think we've done this song and dance before, Steve. I know you're gonna you're gonna sit there and say that they need they need another starting pitcher. I agree with you, but I just I don't know what they're gonna give up. Well, and see, this is where you're gonna go straight to straight to my heart. You're gonna go straight to my heart. And you're listen, gonna, you're no, gonna no, slay no, me. Listen, right listen, you know, Jake Jake Berger exists. Jake Berger doesn't have a path to consistent at bats with the White Sox right now. It's been pretty well talked about. Um, there are obviously some other names out there, a couple that are very near and dear to your heart. Um, you know, I feel like this is almost like a familial type discussion that we're having, maybe, you know. Help um, me through things. You, you know, listen, this this is kind of like a, a big brother to little brother type discussion here where yeah. you, you got to talk about, you know, Hey, you know, your, your baby boy. I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to be so, for him right now. There's, there's one thing that I saw floated on the internet today that I would be kind of okay with. And that's moving Craig Kimbrell to LA in return for a one Cody Bellinger that was presented by Cherise. Now I know that that's probably not going to happen. In fact, I would I would I would lose it, but I might be okay making that move. I might be okay making that move if it meant that Gavin Sheets wouldn't see as many at bats this year. That would definitely be, you know, an interesting move. I think Bellinger's a guy, obviously a former MVP, so there is tremendous upside with him and a guy that has a history of performance. He would check a number of boxes for this team hits from the left side of the plate, has some defensive versatility, being able to play, even spell, you know, potentially Luis Robert in center field if needed. But if you're able to put him in right field on a day-to-day basis, I think that makes your outfield significantly better. Um, that would definitely be a fascinating deal. And I think that the money side of it there would be almost cost neutral, I, th- I think, um, ba- based off of what Ballinger is expected to make in arbitration this year. So I think that would be an interesting move right there. And I, again, I think to your point, 
the probability of that happening, I'm not sure is great, but that would definitely be one that would kind of turn your head a little bit if it were to happen. Yeah. And you know, maybe you do include something with that, with, with Craig Kimbrell there to kind of move, like just move it a little bit, needle a little bit farther. I don't know. I, I, I've loved Cody Bellinger since he came up. That kid's got a great swing. Uh, he can connect with the ball. He, he would look awesome in a White Sox uniform. He's going to bring out some fans. I, I, I would love it. I, I am just drooling over the thought of, of Cody Bellinger playing right field and being in that White Sox lineup. I think it would be just that much more deadly. Now, I will I will get off of you know the the fascination with this one here real quick because I, I know Buzz has had his heart broken on potential free agent and trade acquisitions. The Ozil Puig incident still exists to this day. I, I won't I won't you know continue to talk on the subject, Steve. So let's move on. I mean, has anyone reached out to Burt Drink for comment on, on the very topic right now? No, no, it, it, it's been closed for comment for a while now on the Ozil Puig thing. But uh, yeah, it, it, the potential of Ozil Puig in the White Sox lineup two years ago was was ever fascinating to him. I forget who I think it was. Oz, it was it wasn't Ozzy Albies, but there was somebody else that uh, he's he's been uh, keen on for for a long while. It might be it might be Ozzy Albies. Um, we're gonna have to straighten all that out next time he's on the show, but. Steve, overall, outside of the trade market, I want to get into potential free agent signings. Is there anybody out there that can help this team immediately that you have your eye on right now? Honestly, I, I just feel like they're going to be more active in the trade market than the free agent market, personally. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of smoke behind Michael Conforto, and that's a lot of back and forth on twitter.com associated with it you have you know meatballs like uh, ken wo who you know sit there and you know can't uh, think outside of the 1950s and real other than batting average and rbis exist um so he's obviously a very polarizing figure he would check a number of boxes he's not a perfect player by any stretch of the imagination here but he's someone that definitely would help improve this team um i just the other piece in the free agent market that I think would really benefit this team is bringing back Ryan Tapera. When they got him from the Cubs back in July of last year, he really helped kind of fortify the bullpen in a number of different ways. Um, he provided them a lot of consistency from the right side there. And he was in a lot of ways, probably their most consistent reliever in the second half of the season last year. So being able to bring him back would definitely help strengthen that bullpen and everyone knows that I was the lead conductor on the White Sox bullpen train last year that ultimately was not what they were supposed to be. Now, bullpens are very volatile from year to year, so they have a down year. This could be the year where that thing takes off and could potentially help carry this pitching staff even more. So that would be interesting. And I just think adding and bringing him back there, especially if you're going to have a guy like Crochet in a multiple inning role, or Ronaldo Lopez in a multiple inning role, you're going to need some depth in the bullpen there and quality arms to be able to get outs with consistency and be able to pitch multiple days in a row. So Ryan Tapera is definitely a guy that I'm that I'm looking at um, that I think this team really needs to give a lot of thought to bring in back. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they do. Um, you know, I, a lot of this is going to depend, I think, on the move 
uh, that we were just talking about, Craig Kimbrell. Um, is he back with this team this year? Uh, you know Jerry probably wants to move that contract. I still think that there's ways that Kimbrell would be beneficial um, to this White Sox team to have him stick around. Um, it was it was kind of one of the worst acquisitions, I think, in year one for the White Sox. Like one of those go-for-it moves that kind of blows up in your face. Just for multiple reasons, and especially, I think there was some added weight to it because you you, you move Nick Madrigal, part of uh, that young core, so to speak. Uh... Um, he's kind of a fringe guy, but the, he was he was kind of a fan favorite, kind of a fan favorite. Nick Madrigal yeah, to a I certain mean, sect of people, Nick Madrigal was like their favorite player. Again, again, to people that have not graduated from a 1950s mindset where the only stat that you look at to evaluate a player's offensive performance is batting average. So I don't, I, mean, I don't, agree, I don't agree with that statement. There were stat guys that loved. Nick Madrigal. No, there was there weren't. There were stack guys oh, that oh, liked Nick Madrigal. Oh. I'm sure they're out there. Oh. I don't have names. Give but, me one name. I, you know, like where where would you classify a guy like Matt Zawaski? I wouldn't say he's super analytical. Southside Zoe. I don't think he's super analytical, but he's got a good sense of the game. So okay, okay, all right. I'll I'll give you that one. I definitely don't think. To your point, Zoe is um, a hardcore analytics guy. So I think if the thing I always come back to with Madrigal is if your carrying tool is being able to hit soft singles with two strikes, that's just not a great carry. I know, I, I know it's not a great plan, but I, I saw people bringing up, and this is why I say stack guys. There were guys bringing up, you know, oh, he was hitting better ahead in counts and you know, certain things at certain times. So I know that people, it wasn't just the crowd that only evaluates players on, you know, just batting average. But I think to an extent, what I'm trying to drive home here is, is that Nick Madrigal was a first round draft pick. He was a guy that a lot of people thought had a lot of upside and still do. And you move him to your crosstown rival to have Craig Kimbrell come over here their closer, a guy that struggled there, then was great for the first half of the season, comes over here and blows up in your face in a lot of primetime spots. It was painful to watch. And a lot of people are mad at, at Kimbrell and don't want to see him on this team this year. I think I, that there's I think that there's a path for him to be valuable to this club. I think the one aspect that people have to kind of keep in mind though is Kimball's obviously a guy that wants to be a ninth inning closer. He he wants to be that traditional guy handling outs 25, 6, and 7. But you he, have Liam Hendricks on the record saying he'll pitch wherever. You you do. You do, yes. But granted, um, you know, Tony La Russa has not shown a tremendous willingness to do that with consistency. He obviously there, – there were certain circumstances in the second half of the season when he would start to utilize him for five and six out saves – but he wasn't really willing to plug him in high leverage spots in the seventh or eighth inning if an opposing lineup was at the heart of their order there to be able to get pivotal outs. He he didn't really do that. Well, did um, the white here's the question: Did the White Sox marketing department put the light show together with the intro for Craig Kimbrell this year? Because they did it for Liam Hendricks last year. 
They didn't have it for Craig Kimbrell because they didn't have time and they've had all winter to work on it. I hope there's a light show when Craig Kimbrell comes in to save ball games at 35th and Shields. I mean, you think he's going to potentially do that? Well, no, they don't play the Cardinals in the league this year. <laughs> just saying. I just, I, I think that there's a path where Craig Kimbrell can be your ninth inning guy. I just think one of the issues, and this has obviously been one of the main concerns and thing, something that has been stressed about Rick Hahn often is his financial allocation. And I think the amount of money that he has spent and dedicated to the bullpen already um, bringing on Kimbrell and that contract that adds another high dollar player to that contract. And I think if you look at Cots right now, they're, they're, Payroll's at like 175 million right now, which is obviously the highest in franchise history. You know, that $16 million option on, on Kimberl that was picked up, you can spread that money around a number of different ways here. And we all know that, um, you know, Jerry Reisdorf is always looking to pad the trust. Um, he's he's got to try to fit as much money in his coffin as he can when, when that day ultimately Maybe things comes. change, Steve. I find it hard to believe that an 86-year-old man that has been frugal for the four decades that he has owned this franchise is miraculously going to change. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But if I was a betting man, which I'm not, everyone knows I hate bettingtwitter.com, I would not put money on that. And I would not be posting screenshots of my bet on Jerry Reisdorf raising the payroll that much. I know you dislike betting Twitter, and that's why I'm here to bring you the White Sox World Series odds. You for would, 2022. Anthony. <laughs> I believe last time I checked in, they were around plus 1,100. Um, that was good for third. I believe they were tied with the Tampa Bay Rays. I could be completely wrong. I saw them yesterday while I was scrolling Twitter, and I knew that I had to bring it up on the show the minute that you complained about gambling Twitter. While I'm on that subject, Bet Rivers. Head on over to BetRivers.com. This is the perfect time for an ad read. Use code ONTAP when you sign up, and you'll get a $250 deposit match. Code ONTAP, BetRivers.com. That's Steve, just a hell of a segue right there. Steve, you set it right up on a, on a tee for me. I think I knocked it out of the park. That's what we're here for. That's what we're going to continue to do all season on Socks on Tap. Can't wait to get into some post games, Steve. I, they're so fun to just hop on the microphone and and sometimes get mad online about things. So while we're wait, on the topic, wait a minute, wait a minute, Anthony, are you saying you're known to get mad online? I'm known is, to get mad that, online. Is that a thing? I'm known to get mad online, and I I think that I'll get mad online plenty this year. So Steve, I want you to just go into you know that brain and let's let's figure out what are the things that would make us the most mad online. Coming up on Socks on Tap post games in 2022. Bunting. Bunting is going to make you mad if, if you see a lot of bunts this year. Okay. Bunt, so bunting will make me hashtag mad online. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question here. The shift. This mm-hmm. is a new topic, hot topic in baseball right now. Are you against bunting against the shift in the last year of the shift? I'm against sacrifice bunting. Okay. If you're if you're going to if you're going to bunt as a means to try to beat the shift, 
and get on base. I'm okay with that. I take a firm stance against sacrifice punting. I think the only time that you should be giving away and out is if it is a tie game and you're in the bottom of the eighth or the bottom of the ninth and you're the home team and you have the bottom third of your lineup coming up. The fact of the matter is you have a finite amount of outs in a baseball game. You have 27 of them. That is precious currency. You should treat it as such. You should not be giving those outs away. Period. Paragraph. So Steve does not believe in the proverbial, uh, what do you call that, productive out. You're not a productive out No, guy? You, you can absolutely have a productive out. Hit the ball hard to the right side. Okay. Hit the ball hard to the right side and advance a runner that way. Okay, you put yourself in a, in a position. You you could you could hit a, a screamer with eyes that could get through. Now, what if you're bunting to Garrett Crochet? <sighs> we had to go there, didn't we? I'm just saying, there's 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 options here. I, I mean, <laughs> so things that I'm going to get mad online about. Number one, Garrett Crochet fielding his position in multiple extended inning roles. But wait, but wait, hold on though. The biggest issue that he had when it came to fielding those bunts was with this stupid fast pitch softball runner on second to start the tenth inning nonsense, which is no longer a factor here in the year of our Lord 2022. Hey, you know what, Steve? Cheers to that because in this CBA, there are a lot of things that could have gone wrong. I have no idea why Steve's drinking water on a Friday night. That wasn't planned. We'll have to edit that out at I'm, some point. I'm, I'm saving. I'm saving myself for tomorrow. Tomorrow night's gonna get wild. Well, there's always there's always a chance to get primed up for it. Now, you bring up a really good point. There were a lot of things in this CBA, and I know we're on the topic of getting mad online about things, so I'll get mad online about some of these rule changes in just a minute because I'm also an old man that needs to yell at clouds. But the the fact that we have eliminated I, what I think is probably the dumbest rule that has come from the Rob Manfred era is fantastic to me. I cannot wait for extra inning baseball games that go to the 15th, 16th inning and 1 a.m. just to get back on this socks on tap and have a few beers because I love that much baseball and I just can't get enough. I'm so happy that we have decided to allow baseball to go back to its natural roots and have games that can potentially last forever. So, Steve, crack them to that because they got that one right. They really did. It's a real joy to see that clown that is Rob Manfred actually do something right and eliminate that nonsense. Because again, we're not playing fast pitch college softball here. Okay. So seeing that role go away makes me ecstatic. Nine inning double headers. Nine inning double headers. Baseball is meant to be nine innings. Nine inning double headers. Thank you, baseball gods. This is it, it is back, and that's why the name of this show is We're Back. Baseball returning to its purest form is great. Now, it, it, this is this is the segment about being mad online. I'm happy online right now for nine inning double headers. I'm happy online for no more runners that's at second base to start an inning, no more free passes, none of that shit. Now things I'm mad about. I don't know if I'm quite mad about bigger bases. I don't know if I'm quite mad about bigger bases. I'll go to you. I see some, 
some of the safety concerns. I don't want Jose Abreu getting mauled at first base all the time. Just the even though he's the toughest man in all of sports, I, I just I don't want to see that happen. I don't want my guy Gavin Sheets out there at first base, you know, having to you know kill people when they run into him because he's so strong. I don't want to see that happen. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But bigger bases, like the base has been the same size my entire life. I don't know about you, Steve. Did they make the bases bigger when when you were thirty? But whoa, whoa, whoa! That that seems like a little veil. I'm just asking. There, I'm just asking. I'm 31 now, actually. I, <laughs> I don't even know my own age. But I'm just asking. Did you have to go through a period in your life where they changed the size of the bases? Not that I recall, counselor. Okay, so bigger bases. Don't know. Don't know how I feel about them. I want to know I, how everybody else feels about it. How do we feel about bigger bases? What I the one thing that I don't feel like people are talking about this, and I feel like a big driver behind this is in the last three to four years, we've seen guys really holding the tags on stolen bases or guys trying to advance that additional 90 feet. And I think the thought process behind this is that with the bigger bags that it might prevent some of that, because I think the spirit of the, of the rule with instant replay has kind of gotten lost a little bit with this nonsense of guys just holding the, the glove on guys. And then if that, Hand comes off the bat for a split second. All of a sudden, now you're giving away an out. So here's my theory. I agree with you, but here's my theory. The reason why we have this is because you can't go spikes up into second base anymore. You, there's, there's, there's no. You're going to get out if you go in spikes up, and there's a repercussion for it. You want to keep the bases smaller? Bring baseball back the way it should be, and let guys go in spikes up. Now that second baseman ain't going to put his leg down in front of the whole entire bag. That was the problem. There's no repercussion now. You don't do it and you don't see it because guys aren't taught to do that. You go back a couple of years and, you know, it, are you man enough to put your put your leg out or your body out in front of a guy running as fast as he can coming at you with metal cleats? I don't think so. So you have to make an athletic play to make the tag. You don't see that anymore. That's a fair that's a fair point right there and and there might be some validity to that statement there, Anthony. Uh that's that's very astute coming from you in in your uh you know, you're advancing age here. So, hey, I'm, I'm going to have to tip my proverbial cap to you on that one. So I want to know how Ken Well feels about this. Listen, you know, Kenneth, I'm sure, is is hashtag mad online about something because, um, you know. He Jordan be- checking in here. He encourages – it says it encourages more stealing, lowers the risk of getting spiked, and gives runners more room to separate themselves from the fielder. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the to the thing I was saying there. You, you can't you can't get you can't get the home plate. You got a guy in in catcher's gear, and you can't plow him over. Back in my day, you used to be able to run catchers over if they were blocking the plate. Have you ever run a catcher over, Steve? I'm curious. I have, I, I never had an opportunity to run a catcher over. I was in a game where a teammate of mine was run over. And it almost led to a bench clearing brawl when I was seventeen. That's um, what the crowd gets excited for. I, I mean, listen, it, it got it got a little fiery out there. Let me tell you. Um, I mean, imagine the ticket sales. Imagine the ticket sales. Bring back the catcher collisions. This sounds medieval. Bring back the catcher collisions. UFC can do it. So can baseball. It would make it more exciting. I'm just, you know, I'm probably advocating for things that I shouldn't be at this point. So we'll move on. Other things that we're going to get mad about online, rule change edition. Um, the, the next one, yeah, okay, there it is. Mike, 
AJ with Barrett was legit. Exactly. You want those, you want those viral moments in baseball, bring that back, make baseball fun again. Um, next rule change, Steve, we, we touched on the shift. They're going to ban the shift. How is, how are the players going to react to this? Who's it going to help? Who's it going to hurt? And how mad are you about it? Yeah, Anthony, I'm going to need you to let um, me have the floor here for, for a little bit and just let this one breathe. I'm going to drink some beer <sighs> calm myself down because I'm getting Please. angry. Okay, I've got major issues with this. The fact of the matter is that throughout the course of baseball history, there are ebbs and flows to the game. There are adjustments that are made, and there are things that are done during various periods of time that aren't done in other eras. The 1980s was a period of high stolen bases. Ricky Henderson stole 134 bases in one season, okay? Most teams don't steal that much anymore, okay? It was a different time, a different era. We are now in the midst of the launch angle revolution here, obviously with more teams utilizing more data, looking at spread chart information, looking at exit velocities, looking at where guys are hitting balls frequently, they're using that information to their advantage to put them in the best possible position to get out. The idea of going and legislating against this, I think, is so criminally stupid. To me, it's just a matter of players needing to ultimately make an adjustment. There's going to come a time frame where we're going to get away from the heavy launch angle guys trying to elevate the baseball, things will change. It's just kind of what it is. So at the end of the day, banning the shift to me is Rob Manfred's way of saying we're trying to once again appease people that simply don't like the game of baseball and never will. And I will never support that. Steve, I don't have much else to say there. Cause I think you summed it up good. It's one that kind of makes me mad. You know, I, I think that as, as somebody who who likes the freedom and the, and the flow of the, 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 the game of baseball, it just, it, it ruins the essence. Were you going to draw circles out there and make the guys stay inside of them before the pitch happens? It's, I don't know. It's, it's just weird to me, but I want to move on to one that really makes me hashtag mad online. And that's a pitch clock. Now, it is in the rule book, believe it or not, that the pitcher should throw the ball within a certain amount of seconds. However, that rule hasn't been enforced, and to good reason. I love the game of baseball to take a long time, but that's not why I'm even mad at this rule. What are we going to start seeing when the pitch clock expires? You're going to see managers coming out there getting angry at the pitch clock operator, the umpire. Whose interpretation is it? You see scoreboard issues all the time. Who's responsible for taking care of the official pitch clock? Is it the home plate umpire? Is he going to count fast? Is it one Mississippi, two Mississippi? Is it on a stopwatch? When does it start? When does it stop? And how does it get applied? It's going to affect the game of baseball in way different ways than people expect it to because there's got to be some sort of human interaction. Does the catcher have to get the ball back to the pitcher first? But what is the official pitch clock and how is this thing going to work? I feel like it's going to be a logistical nightmare and you're going to start to see Lance Lynn have some epic ejections. Now that's going to make me happy. However, imagine Lance Lynn's out there on the mound and he gets called for a pitch clock violation. He is going to go absolutely apeshit. 
then he's going to get tossed out of a ball game and the Sox are going to suffer for it. It's going to suck. I don't like the pitch clock rule. I'm mad online about it, Steve. What are your thoughts? I'm a former pitcher. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Here's another thing that I don't know if people are thinking about. You watch an NBA game. You see it semi-regularly. Shot clock issues. That shot clock goes down. So we talk about pace of play, trying to speed up the game. What happens when that thing goes down for three to five minutes? And all of a sudden now you got guys just standing around waiting for the for the scoreboard or the electrical engineer to get that thing back up and running. This thing is going to ha- lead to a number of issues. And you know that there's going to be some way that some team is going to find a loophole and tell their hitters, hey, if you do this, it's going to lead to a pitch clock violation. The Astros or the Rays, somebody's already trying to figure out how they can exploit this to their advantage. And have they talked about what, what is the penalty for this pitch clock violation? Yeah, they, they haven't said what the what the penalty is. I think it's going to end up slowing the game down a bit. It's going to cause frustration for pitchers. I think it's going to lead to more injuries for pitchers who are trying to just get out there and rush through their routines. Pitchers are very deeply, well, creatures of habit. They're creatures of habit, but they're very deeply mentally methodical about their jobs, which is delivering a baseball sometimes in excess of 95 miles an hour across a zone that needs to be judged by either a human or a robot. And we're going to get to that one next. It takes a little bit of, of mental fortitude to be out there on the mound, Steve, and you know that you were a pitcher. I don't see this going over well at all. And I'm glad we're playing baseball this year, but I'm hoping that this is something that can potentially be walked back a little bit as we start to further examine what can go wrong here. I'm just worried that there's nobody in the room that's going to tell Rob Manfred, hey, dude, this ain't a fucking good idea. Well, I don't know if you recall a couple, two, three years ago when they put in the the legislation about guys needing to stay in the batter's box and about penalizing them if they weren't uh, keeping one foot in the batter's box that lasted for what seemed like maybe two weeks and you never hear about it anymore. So my hope is that this idea with the pitch clock goes to the wayside, similar to what they tried to legislate with keeping hitters in the batter's box because it never stopped David Ortiz from stepping out, spitting on his batting gloves, adjusting them after every single pitch Baseball players are creatures of habit. They have their routines because it is so much of a one-on-one battle between the pitcher and the hitter more so than just about any other sport aside from maybe boxing. Well, I mean, definitely aside from boxing or or mixed martial arts. But that's what about that, one-on-one basketball. I I don't watch enough basketball to really comment on that. We would have to get Bert Drink on the line to okay. to really give some analysis on that. Fair, fair point. How is Bert Drink, by the way? I miss I Bert. I told you we haven't heard from him in, in, a, in a little bit. We haven't heard from him in a little bit. We'll, we'll get somebody on that. Um, let's 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 go to the one that really makes me mad. The one that just absolutely pisses me off at my core. That's robot umpires and robot strike zones. You want to talk about something that doesn't work at all, in my opinion, is, is the robot umpire thing. And let me tell you why. 
you brought up a point about how the Rays and the Astros and and how other people uh, throughout the league are trying to figure out something and, and how they can exploit it. Let's put the umpire as a computer. You've got teams that are delivering messaging across their organizations through various different ways, uh, buzzers, just all, all sorts of crazy shit. Let's let's make the umpire a computer and let's put it out there on a network and let the Astros go figure out how to hack the shit out of that thing. No way do I want this anywhere near the game of baseball, Steve. Not only is it you know susceptible to just various levels of tampering by home teams across uh, the league. There's also the fact that we've watched some of this in the minor leagues. And if you haven't seen some of the footage of when they tested this thing out, it, it's, it, I hope that they've worked on the technology. I think it serves a purpose. I'd like to see it in little league when the umpire doesn't show up, but for major league baseball, it just changes the game so much from what it has been and also just opens up so many different things. Is there a way that you can throw a pitch to look like a strike but not be a strike? Who's the override on that? Is there still an umpire behind home plate to, to override the computer? Is it just going to be umpire-assisted technology, or is it going to go full-blown robot umpire? Somebody's going to figure out a way to exploit that. You look at video games that are out there right now, Steve. Video games are not programmed perfectly. Play a lot of NHL online. You know that. You've been to my house. You've seen my Xbox. You know I play a ton of NHL. There's glitches all over that thing. And the first thing that anybody does when they turn on a video game is figure out how to exploit that thing. That's what every team in baseball is going to try and do. How do I exploit this robot umpire the same way that I have scouting reports on every umpire who's coming in behind the plate every game? I don't like it. I don't want it. Never let it happen. Makes me angry, and I'm mad online about it. Steve, how do you feel? I agree with you largely. Now, I will say this. Um, I, I do feel that the level of egregious missed calls by umpires in recent years has increased significantly. And I think it is something that does need to be addressed. So I would potentially be in favor of looking at something where you have the home plate umpire still there, but you have an electronic oversight that if a call is so egregious and is missed so badly that it can be potentially overturned. Um, we've just, we've seen far too much of this. And this is one of the big things with pitch framing over the last five to seven years across the game and seeing catchers like Yasmani Grandal, who are just phenomenal at stealing extra strikes for their pitchers. I think there has to be a mechanism in place to make sure that the calls are getting Right, first and foremost, but I don't want to just go to a strict automated strike zone for that very purpose that you talked about because there are absolute glitches, you know, in the in the independent Atlantic League where they really were testing this last season, there were all kinds of issues with this. And I think if you have ultimately this implemented at the major league level, there's going to be a significant learning curve with it. There's going to be issues that happen right out of the shoot with it. And like you said, there's going to be teams that are going to figure out how to exploit this and how to train their pitchers in a manner that will deceive the technology still. So I think the idea, again, of having maybe some sort of an electronic oversight with the umpire there is probably the best way to go. Is that something that we'll see? I highly doubt it. But to me, that seems like a reasonable compromise in a way to get this thing right. 
Yeah, I think I think that there's room to work here. I'm just I'm not confident that baseball is going to make the right decisions at all with this one, and it just it it worries me to my core. Um, I don't I don't know what else to say about it. It's, they're guilty until proven innocent here, especially with some of the other things that they've done. Now, kudos just just a few minutes ago. Kudos for getting rid of the runner on second base and back to nine inning double headers. That's a start. Let's not change too much other stuff. Let's let's let the game breathe for a minute here. Um, you just gave everybody a huge giant panic, and now we're gonna just start go tinkering with things and pulling levers that I don't think they're they're ready to pull. Um that does it for Mad Online, Steve. I don't have anything else that I'm really mad online about. It's so therapeutic to just get that shit off your chest, isn't it? It it really is. You know, sometimes you just you, you get a lot of pent-up frustration. And look, we had 99 days without real substantive baseball discussion because we didn't know when we were going to be able to do this again. And it's good. And I think therapeutic is the right word to use, Anthony, to talk about it in terms of just, hey, we're, we're hashtag back now. We can get hashtag mad online again about the game of baseball and actually what is happening on the field. And it feels so fucking good. It does really does I, I've, I've enjoyed this now I don't know what you have uh, left left in the tank here uh, in terms of your white sox topics you want to talk about uh, before we wrap this down so I'll give you the floor what, what do you got Steve what are your, what are your final thoughts here I'm just really interested to see um, obviously mandatory reporting date is on Sunday so we've got a very shortened time frame here first spring training game a week from today. How this team goes about addressing their areas of need in right field, second base, and in the starting rotation is going to be fascinating. Again, I really think that the trade market is where we're going to see more of the activity, and I've written about this at ontapsportsnet.com in the past, talking about just some of the duplication of roster spots with some of the bat first corner guys that exist on this 40 man roster now on the 26 man roster in particular. So how they go about addressing that to fill some of the other areas of need in order to put this team in the best possible position to march towards a world series. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, we'll really find out a lot about how good Rick Hahn is. I know a lot of people still have doubts about him. I think he had a very good year last year. Is he able to follow up with it? And is he able to finish the job? I love it. I love it, Steve. Uh, and, and people can find your articles again, once again, at ontapsportsnet.com. It's the best place to go for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, I hear. Now, I've got a few final topics I want to talk about, Steve. Uh, Jordan Miller in the comments mentioned that he likes the schedule change for next year. I do as well. Yeah, yeah. We're also, we're also going to talk about some uh, – some of the playoff format changes, but I want to save that for our next show because we're going to be back in a more regular cadence here. Now that baseball's back, I want to keep those ones uh, for our, for our next show. I want to get to what I saw today, which is beautiful. The posts from spring training from the guys who've already shown up, Steve, you've got videos back on Twitter with the white Sox players in camp, Saw Tim Anderson down there. You got Lance Lynn on the mound. More Liam, importantly, we had Liam Hendricks, Hendricks in. We had Liam Hendricks he was in mid-season form, right there when he was missing his. Mike dropping it. Already fired up on the mound. That's 
that's what I love to see. That's the essence of it right there. That's what it's all about. You know, that just that I've got goosebumps. I got goosebumps right now. It was 25 degrees out there today. That warmed my heart when I saw him out there on the mound when he missed that spot and just motherfucking everything Mm -hmm. out there. I mean, it was great. I was like, we are officially hashtag back now. Time like like the, the world is healing itself. Yes, and the world needs baseball more than ever right now, Steve. The world needs baseball right, right, uh, just right now. We needed baseball right now. We got baseball right now. That's what's important. I am just very excited for the season. Like I said, we're going to be back on a more regular cadence here coming up um, over the next few weeks as we can, you know, start to dissect what's happening at White Sox camp. Unfortunately, Steve was supposed to be there right now, and he's not. But I don't think we're going to get anybody live down at spring training this year, unfortunately, but we've got opening day coming up, Steve, and rumors are flying that the Sox on tap boys are going to be in lot B host a little tailgate get together. There might be jello shots. There might be a lot of beers, might be some good times to have at opening day. My sources are telling me, and I've got sources. I've got people out there in the field. They're telling me, that the Marchese crew is going to be very heavily represented on April 12th. Yes. Yes. So I mean, I'm, that's I'm just what my here. sources are telling me. I know your sources are telling you that. I know your sources are telling you that, but I'm here to confirm it for you, Steve. I know I didn't tell you before we started this, that I will be in attendance for opening day, but I can confirm live on air that I will be there opening day. And my wife will be making the jello shots. To bring to Lot B, sir. It's like a ceremony in Lot B every opening day. Socks on tap tailgate. Got to make sure that we get our guy drink there somehow. We might have to rescue him from work. I know Johnny Nani will be there for sure. But we hope to see all of you out there with us just celebrating the fact that we will be watching White Sox baseball this year. More details on a tailgate to come. But Steve, I'm so fucking ready for it. Will 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 I be stone colding beers? That's the I ultimate think you question. Will. I mean, can you can you bring? I got one request. I know I'm a Budweiser guy, but I'd like a few few of these uh, these Yinglings uh, from from NWI uh, brought maybe over the border into Lot B, Steve. Listen, you know I've uh, I've just got, for the occasion. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it, that's that's a big day. I've always said that opening day, the the home opener, it's like Christmas. Thanksgiving, New Year's, 4th of July, Pulaski Day, all rolled into one, multiplied by 100. It's the best day of the fucking year. Let's go, baby. Love the energy. I love the energy that you're bringing. Before we head out of here, I want to thank everybody who tuned in tonight. Friday Night Socks on Tap Live. Gotta love the turnout for this one. You had a couple of familiar faces popping in here. Just listening to us talk White Sox baseball. That's what it's all about. Can't wait to get out to the ballpark and have beers with some of you that uh, commented in the show. Mike, Jordan, thanks for tuning in. Um, and then be, be sure, if you were watching on the Twitter or if you're hearing us on the podcast, head on over to our YouTube, add on tap Sportsnet, um, and, and go and subscribe so that you can hop in these live shows, get alerts when we go live, especially as we get closer to the season. Um, we're live after almost every single White Sox game talking White Sox baseball with you. It's our favorite thing to do and uh, enjoy this season with us. Cause I think it's going to be special. I think the White Sox are going to go a little bit farther than they did last year. And it's going to be a very, very exciting and fun season to watch 
Steve, it's always a pleasure just talking baseball in general, but more specifically White Sox baseball with you. Those are my final thoughts. And uh, I'm, I'm just about ready to close this thing down. Anthony, you summed it up very well. Um, again, I feel I feel like this is just like you know a, a couple of brothers just getting together, just talking through yes. things, just just you know chewing the fat, having some fun, having a few laughs along the way. But damn, it feels good to talk about baseball again and not talk about CBA negotiations. It feels yes. so good. It absolutely does. We'll be back sometime next week. Uh, we're going to try and bring some guests onto the show. Uh, we've got some things lined up already, but Steve. Crack them and White Sox forever. White Sox for life.